Hello everyone, this is uh, Scott McNamara with What's New in Adapted Physical Education. I'm bringing you a, the second episode uh, of an interview series with Dr. LeVay and Dr. Uh, David Peretta, talking about Joe Winnick a little bit more and talking about uh, his book, Adapted Physical Education in Sport. Soon they talk about uh, the maintenance and development of the book. Um, they talk about how unique it is in its content and format, how the book's changed over the years and uh, some potential changes to the next edition as well. Um, so that they have a, a lot of great conversations. They also have an awesome conversation about trying to get our new gen young generation reading more, which I think is important, even though I'm making a podcast, which is not usually very reading uh, heavy, but I do think that that podcast should be used as a tool to supplement learning. And really reading is one of the best things that we could do for learning. Um, with that, this is my first, uh, I'm doing a quick intro in my basement because I'm not allowed to go to work anymore because of the coronavirus. I'm going to let Dr. LeVay take it over in a second, uh, but I did just want to say uh, I want to urge you all to continue to look for as many resources as you can online as we're going through this turbulent time. I know we still want to get good services to kids and to our college students, to everybody. Uh, so we need to continue to do, uh, do a good job of that. Um, my hope is in the next few weeks to be getting some people that are putting out resources, that are making resources for people, uh, and get them on the show to then talk about why and, and, and what they're, they're creating. So I'm hoping to get those out. Now, I, because of my time being a little bit looser, even though I have a almost eight-month uh, pregnant uh, wife at home, for the next month at least, there's not a lot for me to do uh, except for you know, keep up with my online courses and such, which uh, most of my spring break was spent doing that. So hoping to get you some good content out soon. All right, Dr. LeVay is going to take it away. So last time we discussed uh, the legacy of Dr. Joe Winnick and the many lasting contributions he made to the AP field. In the second part, um, Dr. Peretta, Dave Peretta is going to discuss the AP and sport book that Joe is best known for and but will soon be in its seventh edition. This is one of the most widely used resources in the AP field. This book uh, published by Human Kinetics has been translated into five different languages. So um, Dave, let's start with the book's vision because right from the start, you were involved in the first edition of the book that was published around 1990. You were assigned to write certain chapters of the book. And can you talk about those early editions of the book? I think our audience would be interested to learn how over the years the book has evolved during those first six different editions. It almost You can almost look at trends like in our profession when you look at you know textbooks and how they evolve. Sure, what, sure. What do you think was the vision for the book at first as well as some of the, those trends? Yeah. I think Joe's early thinking uh, early on uh, was that AP was becoming uh, very specialized and it was difficult mm -hmm. and time consuming for one person to write really a comprehensive detailed text. This was sort of in the late 1980s, right? Uh, right. And so he got, he was also deeply involved with his personal preparation grant, finishing up unique. Uh, there were a number of other textbooks that were out there as well at the time. And, Joe, I think being as competitive as he was, <laughs> didn't want to be known for not having a major textbook in the field. 
So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what what encouraged him. But I think the thing the thing was is that I think he really wanted a book uh, initially that was going to go into quite a bit of detail um, and uh, be able to be written by people who had knowledge and understanding that uh, he may not have had uh, right at that time. Now, you know, if he if he was the uh, you know sole author of the textbook, he would have to research all that material and so on. Uh, but uh, he had he chose people who um, really had some particular expertise in those areas. Okay, so although the getting on with the the book content, you know, the book content changed because of increasing knowledge base, of course, but the overall structure right. of the book from the beginning uh, has been retained over the years and credit needs to be given to Joe for that. I, I remember him thinking long and hard about the overall structure of the book. You know, while other books at the time tried to cover AP, recreation, sport, they tried to cover all those three areas, Joe focused on AP and sport only. And so what I think uh, was was an initial uh, a selling point for the book. Um, the first edition was that he provided a structural framework to conceptualize both APE and adapted sport. Because at that, I mean, mm-hmm. it, really, when you think about it, a lot of people were talking about disability sport at the time, and conceptually, uh, the book used the term adapted sport, of which disability sport was just a part of adapted sport. So he set the book right. up it, uh, conceptually really well. Um, and then in uh, a lot of credit needs to be given early on with uh, human kinetics because in the late 1980s, when Joe was conceptualizing this book, um, which would be published, uh, like you said, in 1990, uh, he approached Rainier Martins, who was the owner of HK. And Joe knew Rainier from previous professional interactions exactly how, I don't know, but they had a pretty good professional relationship. Uh, at that time, he, uh, even though I think there were more than seven or eight AP textbooks on the market, H- HK didn't have one at the time. So HK welcomed the idea of uh, this new AP and sport book. So I, it worked out that it was a great decision for Joe and for HK. Right. Sure. So, uh, you know, from the start, the book held its own in regard to sales. And then, of course, over the years, it actually cornered the market, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Each subsequent edition, HK put more money into its development. Uh, the number of pages increased, the color photos were added, multicolored uh, prints print highlighted various sections of the book and so on. So HK right. had a interest in the book because of all of their, all, as you know, all their books deal with physical education, recreation, health, sport, coaching, you know, and they cornered mm-hmm. the market on it. Whereas other publishers right. like Saunders and Mosby had smaller divisions. And of course, HK had a large presence at professional conferences uh, where other professionals and publishers or other, where other you know, publishers might not be even in attendance. So I can say that HK has really done a great job promoting the book over the years, more so than uh, other publishers I know regarding similar books. Right. I think that was, that was, a, that was a, really a plus. 
Yeah, I would agree. Um, so you, you talked a little bit about um, one of his visions was that was unique was he brought in all these different authors that uh, you know would write specific chapters based on their expertise. Can you know? And that that sounds great, but that's no easy task. Um, and not only for Joe, but for yourself. Can you talk about how Joe? and yourself were able, you know, to select authors, but how you're able to bring together a number of different professionals to contribute to the field, you know, that's a unique aspect, but um, it's not easy task from an organizational standpoint. Yeah. You know, yeah. To do that. Um, with, with regard to authorship, you know, the first edition, and of course at that time, no one knew if there would be a subsequent edition. It just depended on how right. well the uh, book was received. So he enlisted a small number of people he knew very well, and he knew how they wrote and were known for their work and training in specific areas. And there were a total of, uh, I think it was like 11 authors, including Joe, for 27 chapters of the first edition. And all chapters were single authorship at the time. No, I don't, I look back at the original uh, first edition and there weren't, there were not any co-authors for any of the chapters. And mm -hmm. then, of course, over the years, you know, some authors elected not to continue writing for various reasons, and he would add authors as needed. And uh, it's interesting that as, as individuals came to work in the APE at Brockport, he would be interested in adding them as, as authors as appropriate. I, I remember that at, uh, that beginning in the latter part of the 1990s, he'd ask me my opinion on potential authors that he might not know well, but knew they had expertise in the area uh, and uh, would ask me about my opinion on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know that um, I first got involved in the fourth edition and, and was asked to co-author the perceptual mode development chapter with Joe. And that was because Joe knew that as a PhD student at UNM, I studied under Ernie Lang. I had a background in perceptual motor because, you know, one of the first books, the early movement experiences and development, yeah. habilitation and rehabilitation, that included a lot of information on perceptual motor. So he knew I kind of had that, that background. I, I was really, like, thrilled and honored that Joe asked me to help him update the, the chapter, you know. I just think Joe was you know, like you said, really good at identifying AP professionals and talking to others and bringing in uh, authors. And that, that brings me to, you know, interestingly, the last conversation I had with Joe was about bringing in new young authors to write, you know, certain chapters in the book. As many of us involved in the book were getting close to retirement. I mean, I, I said to Joe, I said, you know, I'm, you know, when the sixth edition came out, I said, Joe, I'm one of the youngest people you know, as an author, I mean, we got to get some young people in here. So yeah. um, I think it's really important to have returning authors. I mean, it's amazing. There's, there's people that are still involved from the original, you know, uh, were in the first edition and keep writing. But can you share with us some of the new authors for the seventh edition and why this is so, you know, why do you believe this is so important? Yeah, uh, we have... Um... For the seventh edition, we now have a total of 28 authors uh, wow. and 29 chapters. So the first, the first edition had 11 authors and 27 chapters. And mm -hmm. so for the seventh edition, we have 28. Now, now 28 is, 
it seems high, but there are many uh, chapters now who are they're, they're being co-authored, okay? And it's the, with the idea of, uh, like you and Melissa, uh, you, right. uh, you're co-authoring uh, a chapter uh, and bringing new blood, younger people uh, into the uh, publishing area so that with the idea of continuing on in subsequent editions of, uh, of the textbook. Um, for the seventh edition, we still have about 65% of the authors returning from the sixth edition. So that's quite a bit, I think. That's great. Uh, yeah. Like I said, there are a number of co-authored uh, chapters. Um, and, you know, number of authors from previous editions are retiring and still would like to be involved in the seventh edition. So I think this is a way of uh, continuing on um, to making sure that uh, there are subsequent additions to this textbook over time, uh, especially, you know, the longevity of the book is vital. Uh, and, right. you know, you need to include with, with younger people, newer people um, being uh, invited uh, to, uh, to the seventh edition. Uh, they infuse new ideas and unique perspectives right. in book and you know and i think that's that's what will keep the book going for a number of years yeah i, I think that's a great point they bring in some fresh ideas i know um listen and i you know she's helping me with the perceptual motor and we just talked about looking at sensory from a very different you know some of the sensory issues that were that we didn't look at like 20 years ago you know, that we're looking at today, you know, for example. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. So when you, you bring all these authors, you know, you have 28 authors, you, you know, Dave, that you're, you're in charge of. And I think one of the things that you had mentioned earlier that was unique, Joe uh, really organized the book. There was this framework of, for each chapter. Although the book had, you know, different authors, they would follow a format that assured uniformity and consistency within the chapters. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, uh, I recently looked back, uh, you know, as I was doing the seventh edition, the sixth edition, the seventh edition, uh, I looked back on the first edition published in 1990 and compared it to the edition, the seventh edition now being developed. And really there's yeah. a, a number of striking similarities. Uh, the book still has four parts. It has the foundational topics, uh, individuals with unique needs, uh, the third part's developmental aspect, aspects, and then the fourth part of the book is uh, activities. So 22 of the 29 chapters uh, or to uh, topics um, remain the same. You know, the content doesn't mm -hmm. remain the same, but the... Right. Uh, the the, you know, the, the, the parts of the book remain the same and essentially the, uh, the chapter headings and titles remain essentially the same. Uh, I, I remember Joe being very concerned about each chapter uh, to the extent possible. I had to have similar headings and some he subheadings. He didn't want this book to be, uh, he wanted continuity in structure uh, throughout the book that it, it almost would make it look like one or two people wrote the book. You see, he, right. he didn't want each author going out on their own and developing uh, the structure for each chapter and, the, and 
something might be written in one chapter that didn't relate to the another chapter and information might you know be uh, not the same or be incongruent you know he 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 made sure that the headings and subheadings were the very similar in each chapter he was uh he wasn't a fan of having page upon page of text also with no headings and subheadings. As you know, as you look at some books, you'll, you'll see uh, text upon page upon page upon page of printed matter. <laughs> and it was very, uh, hardly anything. Uh, you go three or four or five pages and nothing would be broken out into headings and subheadings. And so it, it's easier for people to acquire and digest information if you have mm -hmm. headings, subheadings with which to uh, try to learn uh, that information. And so authors Great had point. to, yeah. yeah, they had to buy into this arrangement, you know. And, uh, and like I said, it, the consistent structure makes it easy for readers to see similarities in the topics presented. And right now I'm working hard so that the chapters are organized in a similar fashion to the extent possible. I mean, it can't be perfect, but trying to continue working in that manner. And mm -hmm. uh, HK has, has gotten feedback from readers and adopters, and this is a strength, they say this is a strength of the book. Mm -hmm. So you, you mentioned, Joe asked you to be the co-editor with him in, for the sixth edition, and that was published around, that was published in 2017. So how did that all come about? Obviously you had dialogue with Joe well before yeah, that, yeah. maybe discuss well, yeah, a little bit it, about that. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Joe and I, over the years, you know, we, re, we 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 maintained contact professionally and personally, and you know, he'd want to find, you know, know what we're doing at Ohio State, and he would be, you know, sending doctoral students to us and so on. And I had some experiences uh, in editorship uh, before uh, before that was. Uh, uh, adapted physical activity quarterly, but it was back in around 2010. And Joe knew he was getting on in years and knew how successful the book was. And he wanted to see, you know, this book continue. And so he started planning for a transition. So I, I think it was around 2011, he contacted me or approached me to determine my interest as a co-editor. And I explained, mm -hmm to me, oh, you know, this would be this, and you would do this, and we'll divide the work up, and so we laid it out pretty well, and I gave it some thought, and eventually agreed, and uh, like I said, I already had some previous editor experience, so it wasn't totally out of my, I wasn't totally out of my element, so to speak, mm -hmm. and yeah. I don't mind, uh, <laughs> for me, I don't mind detailed and tedious work, I mean, I know it's not for everyone, but, you know, you have to make sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And right. So um, so I said, yeah, and uh, took it from there. Yeah, I believe that's something the audience doesn't realize, uh, the many different aspects that go into editing a book of this nature. I mean, it's it's tedious, and there's a lot of rewrites and rereads, and can you share some of your responsibilities, not only working with many of the authors, but also like coordinating with human kinetics. I mean, obviously you have a good relationship with human kinetics, but that's really important. You've got to have a supportive publishing company, but th there's a lot of responsibilities that go into that, that people don't 
realize, you know, in writing a book. Yeah. Well, for the well, I, I can talk about the sixth edition because uh, that's been out yeah. for a while. Joe, Joe did yeah. when we divided up uh, the work. Joe did all the preliminary background work. You know, he uh, submitted the prospectus to Human Kinetics, detailing the new proposed features. Because every every edition, of course, right? Publishers want to know what's new, what's different, what's unique. You know. Uh, what's the most current thinking in the field? So he took care of the uh, developing the proposed features, taking care of the book contract, acquiring all the authors and specifying to them what he wanted to see in the new edition. And then uh, I would work directly with all the authors providing feedback on the chapter drafts. So once Joe got all that set up, I worked directly then with all the authors as they submitted their drafts. And that included the tables and the figures and all the revised front and back matter, like the preface and appendices. Uh, I was responsible for, you know, editing all the chapter ancillaries and uh, working directly with HK on all these other matters. So for the mm -hmm. sixth edition, uh, I believe I saw all the chapters and ancillaries at least twice before the manuscript was submitted to HK prior to publication. And of course, each chapter was different, you know, depending on what was new, what needed to be updated. Uh, some chapters uh, I might have saw twice. Other chapters might have been four or five times. And if you had some new authors, uh, maybe it was a little more, you know, if right. uh, you, gotta, you have to with, with returning authors, as you know, you get a feel of what's expected of a subsequent mm -hmm. revisions. But, you know, now the seventh edition, I'm responsible for, for everything. And so it's been a, I'm, I'm lucky I'm retired. <laughs> I can really do right. time that I need to, because I don't think that uh, it would be pretty, uh, uh, pretty difficult uh, if I was still working. Right. With time my other duties, sure. responsibilities, and so over the years, Joe told me how how good HK was to work with, and they are. I mean, I saw that with the sixth edition, and now the seventh edition, they do a great job promoting the book, and it doesn't mm -hmm. hurt. Like I, said, they've cornered the market. There's all there, there, you know, when you work, there's always change. Uh, there's always some new developmental editors and people you have to work with it, with HK and how these developmental editors want the work done. But I think that that comes with uh, with changes with any, you know, uh, any sure. new edition with any publisher. But overall, uh, I think HK is, uh, is great to work with. So Dave, you mentioned ancillary, you know, parts and uh -huh. additional resources to the book. And I feel a lot of times that's often overlooked and, um, how much the, that additional information can be helpful to not only higher ed professionals, but um, I feel like a lot of teachers don't take advantage of the ancillary materials. And um, maybe you could share like to some of the teachers that are out there in the field, um, some of the ancillary parts of the book that would be helpful to them and their, and their sure. teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for for professors who adopt the book, they not only get the book, but they get a test bank for each, mm -hmm. each chapter. They get a PowerPoint presentation for each chapter. 
and an instructional guide for each chapter. Right. And uh, it's particularly useful, I believe, for people who happen to teach a basic APE or APA course and don't have formal training because there are a lot of small right. colleges and universities out there, uh, you know, Barry, that uh, people wear a lot of hats, a lot of different, they teach a lot of different courses. And, Great uh, point, Dave, yeah. And, and, and it's not all in their area of expertise. So the book uh, not only helps uh, with that aspect, it provides sort of ready-made questions for them uh, in the test bank for them to use or not to use. You know, they can go ahead and uh, revise the PowerPoint as needed. Um, and they also, people also adopting the book get access to the Brockport Fitness Test as a web resource. Yeah. Get videos, fitness charts, forms, all that added material. So I think it's a great. Personally, I think it's 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 a great one resource for people. It covers not only uh, basic uh, information uh, in adapted physical education support, but it's, uh, you get the Brockport Fitness Test with it. Right. Yeah. And and I think a lot of those charts, figures, and things like that that teachers should take advantage of and um so when's the seventh edition coming out uh when, when is it due out you know yeah um right now it's projected to be um i think early 2022 now that sounds mm -hmm. like a long ways away but in publishing uh that's right. not too far out i mean by the time right now um Right now, I'm seeing uh, the first drafts of chapters and uh, trying to get my own done and uh, trying to uh, uh, look at uh, look at making making sure that my uh, workload is pretty well spread out. Um, the mm -hmm. seventh edition is going to be structured and organized very similar to the sixth edition. There's going to there's going to be four major parts, 22 chapters, and the ancillaries which we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, the new features um, that we're, we're, we're going to be uh, dealing with is, uh, of course, all chapters are going to be updated with new information as needed, you know, including the new references and online written uh, sources and online resources and written sources and tables and figures as appropriate. But there will be a number of... Uh, a number of learning and instructional approaches in the seventh edition that we're going to highlight. And one of them is um, universal design for learning. Uh, right. Based on Good. my discussion with AP faculty around the country, UDL is becoming a very popular approach. And so it seems natural to highlight this universal design for learning because, of course, the book focuses on inclusion. And so how can... PE teachers who might not necessarily, I mean, we focus on adapted physical education specialists, right, with the book, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, the book is adopted by uh, physical education major programs across the country, and not everybody's going to be an AP specialist. And so, right. you know, with, uni, with, with, the, with, with, with including universal design, it might make a physical education teachers think a little more uh, deeply about how much they want to include uh, and and, and uh, kids with disabilities in their PE classes, and um, so that that we're going to add that. 
And uh, because adventure activities continue to gain popularity, um, we're going to have a new chapter in the book on adventure activities. And I think it's, it'll be yeah. a new and, – and NHK thinks this is a – of course, they think it's great. So as long as they think it's good, then it's good, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, sure. And, and I will – you know, rhythms and dance continue to be included in the definition of physical education and idea. Uh, but we're, what we're doing now is we're going to take those elements of rhythms and dance and we're going to take the essential elements of that chapter and it's going to be inco incorporated into an existing chapter. And the reason mm -hmm. we're doing that is, you know, HK gives us a finite number of pages to deal with. You know, we can't mm -hmm. have two volumes of this book. It can't be a thousand pages. So we have to be very uh, cautious as to how, you know, what information we put in and the new features and so on. Um, so oh, and another thing is we're going to enhance coverage on uh, sports-specific injury prevention and treatment. Uh, we're going to include that in mm. the chapter 18, wow. of the injuries, uh, injuries, longer-term disabilities, and inclusion. So, I, you know, with, with more people with disabilities being involved in recreation sport and competitive sport, we thought we'd, uh, we'd include a little more information on that. So those are the, so what, those are the highlight of the of what's going to be. Yeah, those that's great. Especially that uh, I know that you know, as as one of the authors, like that was one of the main themes you talked about UDL and how important that is. And I think that'll be a nice blending throughout the book and, and important. Um, can you um, talk about the future? What do you think the future holds for AP and sport? Like when you look back, you know, look up their five, 10 years, and can you predict how technology may have an impact on the future editions of the book? You know, looking at the future for the yeah, book, what, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, technology for me is impacting the way textbooks are being delivered uh, in general uh, that I never imagined 30 years ago. <laughs> you know, I don't think sure. we all have imagined, you know. You know, HK works with other website platforms, you know, to offer the book in a number of electronic formats. And uh, those other sources offer uh, study uh, tools and audiovisual versions of the book. And, you know, though that's, that's uh, coming, uh, not coming, but that's, that's a reality. Um, and as you know, uh, textbooks, now, there's an increased cost in textbooks over the years. And so HK has been able to uh, customize portions of the book for instructors who may not want to adapt the entire text. So mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, with technology, it's easy to do. You know, years ago, once the print book came out, that was the book, right? But, right. you know, so, you know, an instructor says, you know, I like the book. Uh, the book is a lot of money and, uh, you know, I might only use five or six or seven chapters because of the nature of the course I'm teaching. Well, HK will customize the book uh, for particular instructors. They can pick and choose the chapters that they want, along with other matter published from human kinetic sources. And HK is always looking for making their publications affordable and usable. For good or bad, students now buy printed versions or electronic versions or rent a book 
for a particular period mm-hmm. of time. So I, 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 I'm not, I can't speak really to um, technology in, uh, itself and where technology might be in five or 10 years, but I can, you know, talk with you like I did about uh, how HK is trying to uh, keep on top of technology with regard to the textbook. Well, I think it's like, you know, some people are going to having like uh, podcast books where each chapter Mm -hmm. is is, uh, like a a podcast, you know, like Malcolm Gladwell and his latest book did something like that. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to sometimes predict the future, but it's, it's really interesting. And that kind of um, brings me to sort of a philosophical concern, advice, or whatever. Something I'd like to talk to you about is one of my uh, concerns is many students, even teachers, don't read. It's kind of ironic. We're, we're, you know, here on a podcast talking about, and I'm talking about how important it is to read. Why should teachers out in the field read this book? And what would you share with them to convince them not only read this next edition, but also just to read in general, not just explore like websites and blogs, and because that's what a lot of you know uh, students mm-hmm. want to do and teachers want to do. And you know, yeah. what what are your what would you like to share about that? Or um, you know, I, I think we're in a climate of where people you know uh, acquire information on an as needed basis, and if people mm-hmm. don't think they need it, they're not going to read it. Right. Good point. Uh, yeah. Or just go to the, well, I need to know information on X. Well, I'll just look it up on the, I'll look X up on the internet. Right. And, uh, well, and there's a lot of good things that are on the internet. Uh, but, you know, acquiring general information on a variety of topics, it, I, and people who want to consider themselves uh, professionals who want to consider themselves authorities on a particular subject area shouldn't be limited just to the internet and what they read on the internet. I mean, we all know that there there's great information on the internet and there's not so great information or not so accurate information, you know, um, PE teachers, uh, PE teachers and coaches need, you know, they need to be considered, authorities on a particular topic right and mm-hmm. authorities i think if you you know whether you're a PE teacher or a coach or an adaptive specialist you got to have basic knowledge base and this knowledge base is being continually updated you know knowledge doesn't mm-hmm. stand still i've always told my students that as educators they, they're expected to be lifelong learners and it's not any different right. than any other profession many times you know people visit websites if they have a specific question that needs to be answered. And, you know, like I said, that's fine. However, most professionals don't know, or, or students don't know the questions to ask, right? So the APN sport book, or any textbook, uh, we'd like to think the APN sport book provides a concise, up-to-date source that's been developed by experts over the years, you know, and they, have, and they can readily uh, obtain that information that basic knowledge that they need to know uh, from the book and whether they get the book that they read the book in, you know, hardcover or electronic fashion or through a, you know, a podcast, um, 
it, it, they're acquiring information. And so while websites and blogs, you know, allow you to access information, most, you know, a person must always think about the validity of those sites and how they present the material. And, right. Um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of websites, it, blogs it, haven't uh, been reviewed or, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, there are additional ways to maintain one's expertise, you know, reading professional journals and so on. But mm -hmm. um, acquiring the information and, to me, um, if professionals have come together and have uh, determined uh, the most up-to-date and basic information that a professional needs to know, in this case, adapted physical education and sport, then uh, they can acquire that information by reading a chapter or chapters. And then going to the, uh, you know, the information at the end of each chapter on, for online sources and resources mm -hmm. and printed material and, you know, apps and all this other stuff. That, that's out there. Right. There's some great online resources at the end of each chapter that I think a lot of times are overlooked by, you know, readers. And that's a, a nice feature to the and book. We, and we put those in the instructional guide, too, for, uh, right. sure. for professors who adapt the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really liked your response. Like, you know, I'm a real I'm always telling my students about being a lifelong learner and being a content expert, you know, and, and that's, that's really important. And, and you get that through reading and experiences. And so I thought um, one other question that I have is um, kind of related because of your expertise. Um, I think there's some higher ed professionals out there that, and maybe even some practitioners who are considering writing uh, a book, you know, and, in general, an AP or maybe a, a, there's an AP topic, you know, um, they're interested in. What what advice would you give them? And maybe uh, are there some topics, specialized books you think that, that should be written that haven't been? Well, right now, I, I you know, off the top of my head, I don't have any specific topic, but I can give you an example like um, the Universal Design for Learning, uh, yeah. Human Connection just published a, a new textbook on universal design learning um, right. that uh, it, it, it's coming out in 2020 or it's already out. Uh, yeah, it and, just came out, right. Yeah, and, and a topic like that. Um, it, it, I would say that if, if a person believes they have uh, a topic that can make a, con a unique contribution to the knowledge base, you know, be sure that, you know, another, uh, no one else has written it on the topic beforehand or presented it. Uh, and it doesn't have to be, that Barry, it doesn't have to be a hardback book of, you know, uh, 600 pages. You know, it could, right. be a, could be a paperback on a particular, uh, a, a particular um, uh, feature or uh, a particular aspect of uh, instruction or uh, learning or, you know, sport. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, just to, that would make a unique contribution and consult with your colleagues to see if they believe I always, uh, it's always great to bounce the idea off of other people to see if you mm -hmm. know your, your, your idea has any validity to it. And mm -hmm. then of course you have to seek out a publisher to see if your idea has merit. Uh, 
And, you know, some people uh, believe they have some good ideas, and one publisher just says, well, you know, that's not for us. You know, or we have something in this particular area and we can't go in there. Uh, so, you know, seek out second or third opinions. And now with, um, you know, the elect, you know, technology, uh, people have opportunities to publish in a number of ways, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it usually, um, it, you know, you'd have to think about developing a prospectus in your mind. You know, how is this book going to be structured and who is it for? Who's your audience? Is it for physical education teachers in the field? Is it for both physical education teachers and professors? And might it be just for coaches? Um, and, you know, think through that. And then, of course, give mm-hmm. yourself adequate lead time to submit, you know, a manuscript if it's going to a publisher. Mm-hmm. You know, usually, usually the amount of compensation is not equal to the, to the time amount of time one puts into a book. I think we all know that. Uh, people put a lot of time and energy and to make sure that they're providing accurate and unique and updated information. But, you know, I, one, yeah. what, whether, one, whether someone completes or publishes a manual or a book or a, a monograph or whatever it is, uh, I know that I've experienced a sense of pride for, you know, getting something done and, uh, and completing it, you know, and completing and, and hopefully contributing in some small way to the body of knowledge in their particular area. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the points you made, I think that's really uh, important and critical to writing is knowing your audience and having a picture of your audience while you're writing. I, I yeah, think that's a really right. good piece of advice and something that I would uh, have always, always considered. And, and uh, sometimes I'm amazed some people, when they're writing, they don't, I, I go, who's your audience? Who are you writing this for? And so that's a really critical uh, point. Dave, we're you know, getting close that, to wrapping up here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, just, one, um, just one, one, just one thought is that when you mentioned that, it's, that's what, what, what we tried to do with the um, subsequent additions to the APN sport book. You know, it's this, this is primarily for undergraduate and master student consumption. So writing to them was paramount. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, a lot of people use this VAP and sport book as a resource, you know, as a, as a research mm-hmm. resource, you know, that's great. But yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. your audience. Who are you, who are yeah. you writing to? So Dave, is, is there anything else while we're wrapping up here that you'd like to share about the book or that we haven't discussed? Is there anything that we haven't mentioned? Um, like I don't, to, uh, at this point, I don't believe there's anything to add right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just want to say it's very impressive that the AP and sport book has been so successful for, you know, the past 30 years. Uh, I think that's a real testimony to you and, and Joe and all your hard work. You know, so I want to thank you for all you do. You know, no easy task bringing in uh, 28 uh authors together that's that's uh, a challenge i'm sure but rewarding so dave um i want to thank you for sharing all your expertise and insight about joe especially you know his legacy and the contributions he made to the field i think it's important that our audience um 
learn about the things that his contributions that Joe made to AP as well as the book. And uh, we want to wish you good luck with the seventh edition of the book. Uh, I know the audience is looking forward to reading it. And again, um, Dave, thanks for taking your time to be on what's new in Adaptive P and the podcast. So thanks, Dave. Yeah, Gary, I, I want to thank experience. Yeah, I want to thank you for uh, asking me to be part of the pro, the podcast. And I very much enjoyed uh, speaking with you today. Okay. Take care, Dave.